Welcoming sports fans and fans of the world to another episode of Sports and the World. On this episode, my co-host Chris Gooden and I recap the NFL draft with winners and losers, and I defend the Green Bay Packers drafting quarterback Jordan Love. Also, we will discuss the last dance with respect to Dennis Rodman and Isaiah Thomas and covering why Isaiah Thomas should not have been on the Dream Team. To stay connected to the podcast, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash sports the world, our Sports in the World Facebook group by clicking the visit group button on our Facebook page and on Instagram at sports the world. So that's facebook.com slash sports the world or click the link to join our group and Instagram at Sports the World. Without further ado, enjoy this episode of Sports and the World. And welcome into this pre-draft edition of Sports and the World. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And I hope all of you are being safe and well. You know, hard times for everybody. And uh, how are you, my man, during the sun? Just, just hanging, man. Just trying to make the best of this weird shit. Yeah, it's 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 a new reality. Thank we kind of talked about it in our you know pre meeting when we talked about like new realities for a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, new, it's a new it's a new reality and to answer our daily question. And like I said, I was, I'll just share this quick story before we kick it off. To be is it that I was in the store and again, I was putting stuff you know food on the conveyor belt in the grocery store. And all I did was literally just put like a pack of meat. I don't recall whether it was chicken or if you have I forgot what I put on the conveyor belt. Head over to but I was starting to load it up and the lady. Mind you, she's behind the register. I'm not even six feet near her. She's like, sir, you have to step back. For Chris Gooden, you gotta fuck yourself. And I'm like, lady, and she was dressed like the L.A. riots. I'm like, lady, is there a riot going on? From all like, lady, sports, like, and the world, like, put down the, uh, I almost told her, put down the remote. That's what I almost said. But when you're taught to respect your elders, you kind of, but sometimes I tell you, sometimes you forget, you forget sometimes. But, but, but speaking of things that, you know, are forgetful, you know, some teams had a draft they'll never forget. And some teams had a draft they just wish they forgot. So, yeah. so, so with that being said, Chris, give us your thoughts and recaps on the uh, 2020 NFL draft. Well, so I, we, you and I posted our, uh, our picks and, and who we thought we would go where. So at first, who, who ended up winning? <sighs> He's going to make me say it, isn't he? Yeah, I guess you, you beat me by one. It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning is winning, Buster. He had that quote locked and loaded. You can tell. <laughs> it's like he had that in the chamber, and he was just waiting for the moment to just pull the t- – he was waiting. He was waiting. And you already know. But I, I think – I'll just say the problem that I had, it's just that – I'll give you an example. Is that where the – where the Saints had drafted the the uh, offensive player Caesar Ruiz from the offensive line, and where the uh, Patrick Queen was drafted by the Ravens, I had that switched around. Yeah, 
there yeah. there were a couple that I uh, that I, I definitely shit the bet on, and then some that I was you know like spot on right. Yeah, because uh, uh, I think for the most part, when I went back and looked at it, Chris, we were off by like plus or minus on some, maybe three or four, so maybe three or four slots. Yeah, but but anyway, so uh, so oh, overall, like your 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 suspects went where you knew they were going to. Um, so you had. Of course, Chase Young going to the Redskins for their dire need of a defensive end. Of course, Burrow getting locked into a a, a tragedy in Cincinnati. <laughs> you know, I uh, it, it reminded me of a few people that got drafted. Um, and so this one was more unique because they weren't able to get on stage. They were just sitting on the couch with their families. And the look that he had on his face is a very reminiscent look of a guy named Brady Quinn. I don't know if that rings a bell. (laughs) When he knew his career was over before it started just because of where he was going. Uh, I hope that Burrow can can make the difference there. Um, He's got a lot of of capability. And one thing I always harped on about quarterbacks is you got to be head smart. And he's really, really good at pre-snap decision-making. He gets to the line, assesses the defense, makes his shifts, moves, audibles to get something uh, going. You know, the question, will he have uh, the arm strength in the NFL that he needs? Um, Will he have the mental tenacity to to handle the NFL, to to literally being drafted by a failure franchise right now and making something happen? I think the biggest biggest hinge is going to be A.J. Green and what happens with him. Um, But, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, You know, the rest of the picks, of course, uh, Akuda going to Detroit. You know, I call that one. The one that really threw me for a loop was uh, Andrew Thomas from Georgia going to uh, the New York Giants. That that one, because they, they need, I mean, granted, they definitely need an offensive lineman. I, there's definitely no denying <laughs> that. Um, but they also need help on on defense. And I really did not see that. You know, come. I didn't honestly expect him to get drafted so early, but you know, here we are. Um, but you know, some of the other ones, of course, like two ago in the Miami, um, you knew that was going to happen. His emotionless father was probably like the the highlight of that thing because his father is just so straight faced. Like, all right, cool, you just got drafted. Now go work harder. <laughs> you know, because like his dad, from everything I've heard, his dad has a very big stigmatism of being a very hard, like, I, I don't want to use the term whip cracking, but like the dude like rules with an iron fist. You know what I'm saying? Like everything like that, that ESPN or, or Alabama people have said that his dad is, if, if you train hard, you go, you go extra hard. Um, and then also one of the funnier things I think I saw was with Justin Herbert. Uh, from Oregon getting drafted by the the Chargers, so I like I've had some some exposure and experience to Oregon, uh, you know, in my travels, and seeing the the 
the cheese spread and the meats and like the the wine and just the the whole wood plattered board in this fancy house. It was the most organ thing I've honestly ever seen in one picture. All you had to do is put that goddamn duck in the background, and that would have that would have just just completed the entire scenario. Um, but you know, like I said, I called him going to uh, the Chargers, um, and then there were some interesting picks. You know, I've actually predicted C.J. Henderson to go later in the draft at fifteen to Denver. Uh, but he got picked up by Jacksonville. So that's cool to see him stay in state. Um, they definitely need him. And I think he's a very, very aggressive playmaker and he will do, he will do well in that division, I think. Um, and then us getting, uh, Mekhi Becton, uh, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know too much about him. Besides, like, he was a big dude and he weighed a lot and he could definitely play hard. But when I saw him run that 5.140, weighing in at 364 pounds, I think that's like the fastest 40 time for somebody that's 350 plus pounds that's ever ran in the combine. Yeah. yeah. That is scary. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, that it's and, and like the funny thing is they talked about his mom owning like a like a catering like barbecue type thing and like his whole not the pick on him man but like his whole family there were some stocky people and then he stood up and I was like holy shit yeah you yeah, saw you, that you saw that too yeah he was he was a big big boy man but I'll tell you what Sam Darnold I think will be very happy to have him uh, in front of him. And I think most of all, who's going to be most excited about it, I honestly think it's going to be Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is Le'Veon Bell now has like a whole runway to run through. Um, I, I think his his problem was uh, he just didn't he couldn't find a lane to run through. But Beckton, I think, will create those big lanes because even a seasoned lineman in the NFL. When you're lining up against someone that's 6'7", 364 pounds, but he plays like he's 6'2", at 250, you know, uh, I mean, that that's hard to fight against, man. So that, that's going to be very interesting. Um, of course, the, the Raiders going after Ruggs, um, that was a, a unique one. And then uh, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa getting picked up by Tampa Bay to give Tom Brady some help after uh, Gronkowski got the, got the horn sounded. Um, there were overall, there was a lot of, a lot of big moves. I saw, you know, you guys got some help on defense in Atlanta from AJ Terrell from Clemson. He's another very, I I would, I would say he's probably the third best corner, uh, in, in the league. And then the one interesting one that really, uh, kind of caught my attention as much as I hate talking about him was a Cowboys picking up CD lamb. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that tells me, I think they might cave into Dak Prescott and, and give him what he wants because to add another offensive weapon that can run fast and catch hard. And he's, he's a good route runner. I mean, the highlights that I saw and then also watching him play, I want to say it was like the, the, the Kansas state game is when Oklahoma lost, if I'm correct. Right. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, um, that one, you know, I saw him actually play and he did good. And, you know, you've got Amari Cooper and, and Michael Gallup, I think is the, the, the first and second position. And then of course he's gonna, uh, 
you know, replace Randall Cobb. So he can play in the slot. He can play on the outside. I, I he and and then of course you got the backfield with with Elliott back there. That's going to be a very interesting team to watch. Maybe they might actually win a playoff game. Yeah, anything's possible at this point. <laughs> um, and then the rest of them, you know, you, um, like I said, you got your usual suspects. You know, of course, like the Vikings going after Justin Jefferson from LSU with Stephon Diggs' departure. Justin Jefferson, I think out of all the wideouts, has he's like Stephon Diggs without Stephon Diggs' attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I was actually shocked that um, that Philly passed over him and and went with uh, with with Jalen uh, Rieger, but they also need, uh, you know, uh, help at the wide receiver slot as well. But I was actually shocked that they passed over Jefferson. But I think with Kirk Cousins, that this is going to be a plug and play. It's I mean, you were literally just pulling the blue Lego out and putting the red. Lego in, and I think that will also allow Adam Thielen to kind of—I don't want to say thrive, but get get to that number. I think, even though personally for me, I think Thielen was is a better receiver, a better route runner, and just a better player on and off the field than Diggs was. But Diggs got all the notoriety, if that makes sense. Yeah, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. And I think now that Adam Thielen is is not on his own, but out of the shadow of of Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs can now go to the Bills and, and own that team and provide a huge, huge weapon for Josh Allen. Now with Kirk Cousins and Thielen, and I and I also felt that Thielen had better chemistry with Cousins than 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 Diggs did. And so now Thielen's number two is the new kid on the block. So I think that will allow Thielen to a gain more, um, more clips at him, more passes towards him, but also allows that that you know Jefferson to develop into that number two receiver. Um, so that that'll be interesting. Uh, and then of course some of the the late round you know pick shuffles. You know uh, San Fran picking up that that pick from. Uh, Minnesota, Green Bay Packers. That that one that that's actually the one that that really drew the question mark for me was Green Bay picking up Jordan Love. For the record, I called that in the pre-draft. Yeah, no, you did. I one point Gryffindor. I don't know what that means, but I keep hearing people say it on Facebook. So it's yeah, like Potter. I still ain't seen that shit yet. Maybe 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 one day. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, um, Isaiah Wilson being drafted from Georgia, uh, going to the Titans that I think will help out significantly with, uh, with Tannehill. They had a good offensive line. It can only get better. Um, you know, and then just all the picks from, uh, uh, from Miami. Let's see what happens. You know, this is a Miami thing. They'll get all these players in. Will they do something? Will they not? Who knows? But, you know, all in all, it was a uh, a good draft, but the one thing I do want to point out, trivia question, pop quiz time. So out of all of the Division One, BCS, FBS, Division Two schools, anybody that has entered the draft, do you know what school put the most wide receivers in the draft and that well, got drafted? Well, not to be partial, but I know we had a lot of receivers coming out, so I'd go with Florida. 
Bing, bang, and boom. So we had multiple receivers. And the scary thing is, is we have just as many more still at the University of Florida that are developing into monsters themselves. But, um, you know, of course you had the second round. So the very first one to go uh, was Van Jefferson. So I've, I've met Van Jefferson um, two times. Uh, not like to the point where I've sat and had like long conversations with him, but so I've got his autograph. And then one of the times I actually got to sit and talk to him for like two minutes, really, really humble young man. I think he's going to do well in, in Los Angeles. They just need to re that, that whole team. I think just kind of might need some, some pieces moved around, but with them getting rid of Brandon cooks, um, to Houston, this Van Jefferson, he's he's six one, he's two hundred pounds, and he's a smart route runner. I think that you and I can could definitely agree on that. Mm-hmm. And he has Jared Goff, who isn't a terrible quarterback, and then he's got Cooper Cup, which I know you have some bad blood for because, well, you know, yeah, he we lost get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then of course Robert Woods, so he's got some help uh, to to uh to surround himself with and he's got a young team that he will i think he will fit very well and so i was ha- I, in nashville i would have loved to see him go to the jets but well you know we don't always get what we want um but you know i think he'll do good in la um and then you had Oh, let's see here. LaMichael P. Ryan. I know that he's slotted as a running back. I'm wondering if they might even change his position into a wide out. Because I honestly, I think he's got better hands than than some of the receivers <laughs> that the Jets currently have. Um, you know, and, and plus you got Le'Veon Bell. You just dumped a hundred plus million dollars. I don't think that you're going to put Le'Veon Bell on a two back position. Um, I think that he's going to get, you know, P. Ryan might get some some ball time in the back, but not as much as as uh, uh, Bell will. But with P. Ryan, I like I said, I could see him being morphed into like a like a Julian Edelman type player. Um, and then of course, you know, Freddie Swain getting drafted uh, by the Seahawks. That I think is going to be a uh, an interesting pick. Him. Uh, him going in against uh, in in that Seattle lineup, mixing up mixing it up with uh, with Tyler Lockett, and then of course, uh, you know, just that whole team there. You know, they're going to have some great great plays. I think designed up for him, and Russell Wilson. I think is going to have a fun time with them. And then of course, Tyler Reed Cleveland going to the Broncos. Um, I, you know, I mean. I personally think Cleveland should have stayed another year if if uh, if eligibility was there. Um, he can only grow. I mean, he did get drafted, so I mean that's that's all that really matters. But um, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting deal. And then of course our two big people on defense, uh, Jonathan Grenard and then Jabari Zuniga. Um, the only thing that scares me with with Jabari is he was injury plagued last year, and I'm hoping that. Maybe the time off and now getting ultra professional, not that the Gators have a bad medical staff, but a better professional NFL tangible training staff will hopefully snap that out of them. 
Um, he's going to be an interesting fit in that 3-4 defense that, that New York runs. Um, but he is going to crush some quarterbacks, I have a feeling. Um, and then same thing with uh, Jonathan Grenard going to the Texans. I mean, I feel bad to him because I think the Texans are going to turn into the new Miami Dolphins. Um, I actually heard that they wanted to trade Deshaun Watson for a hot dog cart and an eighth round draft pick. Uh, <laughs> funny thing is, there's not an eighth round. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's my recap. Um, I'll let you speak on a couple things of it. All in all, it, it was good, and I think you can only uh, get better. You know, I I think oh, overall, I think you. Like going back to you, you harped on something I think is important was the receiver depth, and it was the one position I felt was deep. I think also defensive line, maybe linebacker, was super deep. And and what I simply did was I went and did who won the draft, who lost the draft. I think, and for the record, it was very hard. I picked out. For the sake of time, I picked out five who I thought really won. You know, I could have said Cleveland, but we all know how I feel about Cleveland. But, you know, Miami, as you mentioned, had a great draft. I think Miami got a lot of value out of those picks. But but my top five, and this is in no particular order whatsoever, I think the Baltimore Ravens probably had the best draft. Having Patrick Queen from LSU slip. To go to them. That's a godsend. It was an absolute value pick. And those who know, I love great value. I think it was a great... And also getting J.K. Dobbins in the second round. I think people are saying, oh, Mark Ingram... No, I think you can only add. You can only add to this offense. Because we look at Baltimore, I think later in the draft, they addressed the one need that I talked about on the in the preview which was offensive line losing their all-pro Marshall Yanda to retirement. And they got, you know, Ben Breedenson from Michigan, who's the guard. You know, it's probably one of the best things about Michigan. Let's let's be honest. Ah. But, but was their offensive line in the Big Ten and whole, you know, those big hog mollies up front. And, you know, Baltimore just knows how to draft. Like, I tell people, forgive me if, if you've heard that before, but Baltimore knows how to draft. And they get value. This is the same team that traded into the first round to get Lamar Jackson. So this team understands value and need. So I think they had a great draft. Another one, the Indianapolis Colts. And for the record, they didn't have a first-round pick, of course, in that DeForest Buckner trade they gave to, as you mentioned, to the uh, 49ers. Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, that GM head coaching combo – is is building something really special there in Indy. You know, getting... Here's the thing. You know, like in Baltimore, like Baltimore has good problems in the backfield. I think Indianapolis is having, you know, good... Pro- you know, they have good problems, not like, you know, terrible problems. Because, listen, they went and got weapons for Phillip Rivers. They yeah. got Michael, Michael Pittman Jr. from USC, and they got Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, who honestly is a Zeke Elliott type back. Because, let's be honest, he was Wisconsin's offense. And I think when we did the college football, we all, all we talked about with Wisconsin was Jonathan Taylor. We couldn't tell you to this day who the quarterback of Wisconsin was. Actual. We couldn't tell you, just because of how good he is. And more importantly, Chris, 
they went and got a valuable quarterback for the future in Jacob Eason in the fourth round. I think that I don't think Jacob Eason is going to probably start. I don't think he's going to have playing time this year, barring, you know, Rivers. He's been relatively healthy his whole career. But they're going to develop Jacob Eason. Frank Reich, if anybody knows about backup quarterback, it's Frank Reich. Because Frank Reich backed up Jim Kelly in Buffalo. So if anybody knows the quarterback, developing backup quarterbacks, it's Frank Reich. He understands that position. That was a position of question. Andrew Luck, we thought they were going to be lost in the woods. They go out and get, boom, Phillip Rivers, and then, bam, you get a guy in Jacob Eason. That could be, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, but you get a guy that could be your quarterback for the next decade. And it's at a value pick. Very, very valuable. And another team, and you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys, I think, had a very, very good draft. What I liked about Dallas's draft, to me, they got the second best receiver on the board. I had Jerry Judy one, C.D. Lamb two. And mind you, on I think when we both did our big boards, we had them going defense. I th- you had them getting chased on from LSU. I had them going with A.J. Terrell. But they went out and got a receiver. Now, the question is, is this an indication that Dak, you know, they're going to pay Dak? I don't necessarily think it's an indication. I think what they're saying is this. If you don't get it right this year, Dak, it's not on us because we're giving you weapons. That's if we want if you want to be paid like a Russ, like a Rafa's, if you want to get paid, you've got to perform this year. There's no excuse. Like the saying of excuses are the tools for incompetence that lead to my build to monuments to nothing. Those excuses aren't gonna be worth nothing. It's gonna be worth nothing if you don't get it done this year. I like C.D. Lamb. I like that pick. And I'll tell you something else I liked about the the Dallas Cowboys draft. They went out and addressed the back end of that defense. I think their secondary to me was a big issue. If you saw a lot of their games the last two or three years, and especially, you know, Chris Richard and Rob Marinello, the defensive guys there, last season they had a very, very hard time getting secondary help and then losing Byron Jones to Miami. So what did they do? Chris, they get Trevon Diggs in the second round, who I think fell for some reason. Yeah. And then you go out and get another corner. You get, you know, you get Reggie Robinson the second in the fourth round. I'm like, I feel Trevon Diggs can start. He could be that second corner, possibly. And, you know, Reggie Robinson, he could be like that, you know, maybe situational corner. You're doing nickel and dime. I think they just had, and then Neville Gallimore, they got defensive tackle in the third round. Chris, they just, they just had value. Like it was I'm, the reason why I didn't put them above Baltimore in terms of how I feel is that I felt that maybe Dallas could have got maybe one player in a position to meet, which I thought was center. But I looked at the board and I said, no, I get it. C.D. Lamb, you get the best player on the board. That's always been my philosophy is that if you look how deep a draft is, you get the best player on the board and the player that you need will be there later. I've never believed in reaching for the best player at a position. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I, no, it, it definitely does. I, I I never believed in reaching, oh, you need a quarterback. I'm going to reach all the way, and, and, and it's ridiculous. So I like the way Dallas stuck to their board and got who they wanted. And the Denver Broncos is the fourth team I have. Listen, and this is, you know, they locked in on some targets. Drew Locke's the quarterback. So we all, you know, so if, if you get the joke, you do, you don't. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. That's what I needed. 
listen, Jerry Judy, Hamler, and you mentioned and you mentioned Cleveland, but they also went and got offensive line help, which I think is very good. Cushionberry, who was on that national championship LSU team. We talk we talk about Joe Burrow, we talk about Justin Jefferson. We didn't really talk about the offensive line. You know, Joe Burrow for the most part was upright all, all at LSU that year. He was he was upright last year. And Cushionberry was one of those guys in getting him. I think it helped solidify the fact that I think John Elway's, you know, God forbid, is actually committing to a quarterback. Yeah. So <laughs> so I think that's a great pick. And I think the fifth team and Chris, I think you know this team very well. I really like the Jets draft. We, you know what? Despite Adam Gase being a complete fucking idiot, uh, and I say that with peace and love, he he didn't do half bad. To be honest with you, I, I I don't have a lot of bad. I can honestly say. You know what I liked about their draft, Chris, is that they got a lot of steals. Yes, I think that, and then you know the thing was they kept. They're keeping Darnold upright and they keep him happy. How do you keep him upright? You get Makai Becton. You know, I could argue that maybe was Makai Becton the best offensive line? Sure. I, we could argue that or Jedrick Wills all day. But they got, in my opinion, a top three offensive lineman. And then you go out and get somehow, how in the world did Denzel Mims fall that far? Yeah, that, that, one, that one actually threw me for a loop. I, I'm looking at the draft. I was following it. I was kind of, you know, bit, and I, I'm like, Denzel Mims is still on the board? And then the Jets grab him. Because like I said in the pre-draft, the Jets are going, this receiver talent is too deep. They'll get a receiver. They, because they're going to find a Robbie. They need receiver help. Even before, even when Robbie Anderson was there, they needed receiver help. Because he was kind of like Gladys Knight and the rest were just like Pips. So... Getting getting a Denzel Mims definitely puts a, a foot in the right direction there. And also, people can say, call me bias. Just like in the same way with the Dallas Cowboys, I could have said that, you know, Dallas was biased to going to Wisconsin and getting replacing Travis Frederick, you know, with another Wisconsin center. But I'm going to be biased here. Look, they got a steal and a stud. People understand, Jabari Zuniga... And people can say, listen, health is a concern. Absolutely. You and I can agree on that. His yes. health, when he's healthy. Dude, scary. He's very good. Scary. Hits the whole. No one, he can get to the core. He can get to that level and get to the quarterback. But he fell to the third round because of his health. If he was healthy. Yeah, he would have, I think, been a first rounder. First rounder, early second. I, I think, because like I say, that's how deep. That's why I said earlier the the defense is that's how deep it was. He fell to the to the third round, and then somehow I saw cornerback Bryce Hall fall to the fifth round, and for the same reason for Zuniga, his health at you know Bryce Hall at Virginia, he was arguably their best defensive player. Bryce Hall is the type of dude, and these guys you have to hear Chris Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, he knows defense. I don't I don't have to tell you I don't I don't have to sell you on that. Is and then. They all and they also get Ashlyn Davis, the safety from Cal. So read into it what you want about the future of Jamal Adams. Read into it what you want. But they went out and said, this could be our last draft if we don't get it right. Yep. We have to look for value, steals and deals. It's like getting coupons. 
you gotta get you gotta get cheaper value. So because we gotta make it right with Darnold. So so those are who I think were my top five winners of the draft. Like I said, honorable mention, I had the Browns, but we both know why we're not mentioning them on this show. Yeah. They know why. I know why. Period. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll just you can yeah. just leave it at that. Yeah. Hey Cleveland, you know. You know. But so as in life, there are winners or losers. Don't let don't let participant don't let participation trophies fool you. Winners and losers. Another winner I didn't mention was the Minnesota Vikings. Chris, every pick they addressed it. Like you said, boom. Justin Jefferson lost Stephon Diggs. Oh, we need a corner. Boom, Jeff Gladney. Offensive line. Boom, Ezra Cleveland. It all fell. And to a Mike Zimmer who knows defense, Minnesota's also honorable mention there as well. But back to the losers. This was hard because, Chris, you're going you're gonna, to be a lot of great franchises on here who I thought lost. The New England Patriots, to me, were the, one of the losers of this draft. And not because not because they didn't draft a quarterback, because I felt they weren't going to draft a quarterback. Because I think the plan is Stenham or bust. But Chris, I think they passed on greater needs. Getting Kyle Duggar in the second round when you have Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips, and Patrick Chung already at, set, at, at safety, uh, I didn't see the value there. I didn't see I didn't see the value given that you know you could have got Cole Komet, the tight end, who was drafted six picks later. And I mentioned Denzel Mims, who was drafted twenty-two picks after that. Because they needed, I think, receiver and tight end. Maybe they could have went offensive line too. I think that with New England, it was a very interesting draft. I look at the guys who they drafted, and yeah, Bill Belichick knows development, but realistically. I just didn't like the way, you know. I just didn't like it. It just. I, I think with the, uh, with the Patriots, I don't want to call it a changing of the guard, but you, they're gonna vanish. They are. They are no longer gonna be that. Like, oh shit! It's the Patriots team. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that. The AFC East, I think, is going to be owned by the Bills now. To be honest with you, um, I I really I just I have that feeling. Um, just just the way that they built their team, just the way that they played last season, um, I I think that it's it's going to be it's going to be Bills time. The Patriots, uh, I, I I think after next season. I don't think they'll be brought up. And if they do, they'll be brought up with the likes that the Jaguars are brought up or um, the Bears are brought up. <laughs> you know, they're just – they're kind of just that team. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, they got a team there, you know, but that's about it. You know, I I agree with what you're saying. I think, I think Buffalo, potentially the Jets, potentially, if they can figure it out. And yeah, there's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of things that they gotta work to uh to get that fixed. But yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's there. But I think the Jets are gonna need a year or two to kind of to piece themselves together. And Adam Gates will be somewhere fishing in Lake Havasu. Yeah, but 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 I think with New England, I think you're right. And I'll add this: I think with New England, I think it's not so much a changing of the guard; it's a changing of philosophy. 
I think that they went into this draft not worrying about protecting Tom Brady. I think they went into this draft thinking we can actually draft for ourselves as opposed to we got to worry what Tom likes or Tom wants. And that's scary. And you've been in business a long time. And it's very scary where you have to be beholden sometimes instead of like, you know, doing things, feeling that, okay, I can have carte blanche. But when there's always somebody kind of peeking over your shoulder, it's like, well, you have to pick to make them happy. Because if, if you don't make them happy, then you're out of a job or better yet, you just may you may just be out of out of time which is two different things. You'd be out of the time of your position, out of a job, however you want to phrase it. But I think with New England, I think that's going to be the case. I think that I can see them going eight and eight, nine and seven. I just don't believe they're tanking. I don't, I don't even see them having, I see them going seven and nine at the, at best. Cause, cause I, I, I think Chris, I just, they, they're not people are like, Oh, they're tanking for Trevor. No, they're not. Jacksonville probably is, but not, well, they'll Jets. they'll tank they'll tank for a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, they'll probably a happy hour. So, you know, Jacksonville they're probably taking for London. So, but yeah, yeah, exactly. But but shifting gears, speaking of another organization, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers. And yes, I know they don't have a first round pick, but I put them on this list because I put a team who actually did well without a first round pick, the Indianapolis Colts, had yeah. a great draft. Here's the thing with Pittsburgh. I think they reach for talent. Not just if they would have reached for one, Chris. Okay, you know, like that old saying: you walk, you know, dog bites you, you know, shame on the dog. Yeah. You make it twice, Chris. Shame on you. Shame on you. And I think Pittsburgh did that draft watch. I think getting Chase, you know, Claypool. Once again, Denzel Mims was still on the board. That was the one pick that puzzled me. Like he fell, and nobody like, and people said, "Oh, scheme." You can figure it out. You can figure it out. And also, they reached for defensive end Alex Highsmith in the third round. Bradley Anee, he fell to the fifth round. Somehow, Dallas picked him up. Khalid Kareem out of Notre Dame, he fell in the fifth round. I just felt, Chris, a lot of this draft, they just didn't, like, like quarterback-wise, I didn't expect them to draft a quarterback because I would say anything that came after Eason, was not potentially a future starter. That's just being honest. And and I still feel they need to go out and sign a quarterback because Big Ben has showed you he can't be healthy. Yeah. He, showed, he showed you that. And speaking of teams that showed me something, Chicago Bears, you know what they showed me? You you did not go after... You lost HaHa ha Clinton Dix. You're off... Best name in the business. <laughs> and like, ha, ha is he laughing? Oh, that's my name. Whoops, sorry, sir. There's, uh, Mr. Haha is here. I'm sorry, my name is Mr. Dix. Ah, see, even worse. Sir, it's, it's not going to work. And an offensive line, I think, and receiver. Because let's face it, Chris, this Bears offense, listen, Mitchell Trubisky couldn't complete a pass probably, probably to the Wrigley Field. Yeah. I mean... He couldn't make a throw. If he was a first baseman, Chris, just duck your heads in center field. Yeah. That's how inaccurate he is. And and he probably throw it to the ground. He'd probably go away to China. He can't throw the ball. So you didn't give him any weapons. You got Nick Foles. And for the record, if Nick if you're going to the season as Trubisky as your starter, 
I think your best bet now is to kind of look <laughs> to draft another quarterback because yeah, because if if because I've read stories that I've read many reports coming out of there saying, oh, they're committed to Trubisky at quarterback. Really? Like, I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying Nick Foles is you know Russell Wilson or anything. Uh, he's still, <laughs> but still better than Trubisky. I uh. You know, Trubisky, like, he shows so much potential, and then he just shits the bed. Yeah, I think, and and you know what, Chris? You know who I blame for that? That's development. Yeah. It's, it's development, and you made a very good point. Joe Burrow, yeah, the organization's bad, but if you have the right people in place who are committed to actually winning and developing talent, it's why you see so many offensive coaches become head coaches. Yeah. It's because because of the value of the quarterback position. If Matt Nagy can't figure out Trubisky, great. You have Nick Foles, but at some point, Nick Foles can't, you know, is he the long-term answer? I don't know. But Absolutely I felt, not. He, I he's, felt, a, he's a couple-year answer. Yeah, exactly. He's like your three-year plan. Like, they ask you, what's your three-year, five-year plan? It's Nick Foles, but what's your 10-year plan? And, and they don't have that. And for the record, this same organization traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky. And, and you know who the Chiefs traded up for? Some guy named Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And you know who the Houston, the one thing Bill O'Brien didn't do because maybe he was a little, maybe he was drunk, he actually made the right decision and got Deshaun Watson. Because when he's sober, good God. So, so the point is, is that the, the quarter position is that valuable because they had a decent quarterback. They could compete in the NFC North, but they don't have a quarterback. And and speaking of draft losers, I'm gonna still and this and this last one comes with a mini tale. The Green Bay Packers had a bad draft every pick after Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love was a great pick. I'll defend this pick. And here's what I'll defend. Listen, I'm no I may have a degree in criminal justice. I'm no Matlock. I ain't no Perry Mason. But I'm gonna defend the front office. Chris Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old. Yeah, he ain't getting younger. And he got hurt. Is he healthy? That's number that's number one. Point number two, Aaron Rodgers' personality can wear on people a lot. <laughs> oh, it can wear on people. Like, for example, the reason why it came out with Mike McCarthy was bad, Chris, because you know why they started to lose. When they were winning, you didn't hear nothing about lack of chemistry or nope. clashes because they were winning. Winning, you know, winning is a great deodorant. So you didn't hear anything about that. And third, and most of all, this same organization did the same thing almost 20 years ago. Yeah. To get Aaron Rodgers. Because at that point, Green Bay still needed talent. But what did they do? They got value. They got value. Maybe they didn't trade into the first round to get it, but they got the future quarter because they saw three years down the road. Yep. And the okay. biggest and, and people are like, oh, but this team is one game away from the Super Bowl. Here's the question, Chris. You're a smart guy. Who in, who in this draft would have helped Green Bay elevate to get them to the next level? Just like any player, was there any player in this draft? I can think of three, but was there I don't, any? Th- I don't. I don't think that Justin Love is one of them. 
I, now, now, are we talking a three-year plan, or are we talking about pulling and swapping some players to make them win the the 2021 Super Bowl or the 2020 Super Bowl? I'm I'm talking th- th- this coming up Super Bowl because that was the complaint. I heard a lot of Green Bay players, oh, there's no talent around Aaron. So my point was this. My point is this. Who in this draft was going to get you to that next level in this draft at the most importantly, Chris, at the position they were at in the draft? Who? Well, let's let's take a look here. So what was their so what was their original pick number for Green Bay? It was thirtieth, right? Yes, that's what's on my notes. Yes, they were like they were in the they were on the back end of the. They traded. They I mean, traded personally up. for me, I I think that a receiver would have been something that they needed to go after. Okay. Uh, per, personally for me, yeah, yeah. Prime example, Van Jefferson. Would have would have been ideal. A smart route runner, um, a a powerful, uh, you know, a, a a power player. I mean, he can hold the block if he needs to. He can shed blocks. He can get down the field. Yeah, because okay, so yeah, so Green Bay traded up from thirtieth to twenty six from Houston through Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know. There were there were receivers I think that were uh, a a little more available than than going after Love, but you know I mean it, you know Green like I said it's it's like you said Aaron Rodgers can just wear on people, so you know maybe sometimes you just have that personality where no matter who you put next to you, you just you might not get there, especially when, with the raw deal that McCarthy got. I I think that. McCarthy got pushed out by 100% by Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. The the same reason that players and coaches were traded out of New England. If Tom Brady didn't, Tom Brady did not like Garoppolo. He saw Garoppolo as a threat. Tom Brady was getting older. He was Mm -hmm. getting weaker and he was not performing to the the average level that he was, and then here's little hotshot Jimmy G banging porn stars and slinging fucking footballs. Yeah, you know he he got excommunicated from the from from the order uh, very quick. And, and and I I tell people that that's my point is is that and and I think that New England point, Chris, is my point, is that quarterbacks are the stars of the team. Well, not Mitchell Trubisky, forget that, but. True, legit court hall of quarterback, and I think the problem is, is that Green Bay. This is why people are upset at Green Bay, Chris, because the only players that I feel could have helped them win a Super Bowl were at the top of the draft: Chase Young, maybe Isaiah Simmons, maybe. Yeah. Here's where I de- I defend it once again. This same organization traded. This same organization got Brett Favre's replacement, Aaron Rodgers. Kind of around that same position. Mm-hmm. If you look back, I think it was 22 then, or 22 or 24. So it's not that far apart. So when people are complaining almost 20, it's like, folks, nobody complained. Oh, you're still complaining then. And all of a sudden, hey, Aaron Rodgers can play. And then you all shut your mouths. Jordan Love, to me, 
yes, do I think he can work on some things? Which quarter? What quarterback doesn't have things to work on? Yeah, exactly. But, There's always room for improvement. But the thing with Jordan Love, before I before we move on, is is that Jordan Love understands that he's going to sit for two, maybe three years. Because at some point, Chris, and this and this is a wild, far fetched theory that I read, and I I wouldn't give it credence if I didn't think the source was valid. If that makes any sense, because I believe sources are important. So. Some people may not believe that, but where you get information from is important. And where I read it, like and I read it and I said, there's a possibility that Aaron Rodgers could be traded. I'm not saying this year, potentially next year, because I believe the report that Matt LaFleur, the head coach, is already tired of I can believe it, Chris. And listen, I love Aaron Rodgers. I think he's probably one of the more he's probably the second most talented quarterback I've ever seen played, I've seen play. Russell Wilson is number one. He's just as talented and athletic. But Chris, just like I say about certain John Gruden, I say about a lot of people, Chris, like Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens wore on people, but Terrell Owens always found a job because his talent never, never superseded his his ego. Yep. Same and, thing with Randy Moss. Say, exactly. Like Randy Moss had an ego. But his talent was way better than his ego. So, but when, but what happens, Chris, is that as you know, when your talent, your egos start to match up, you make it difficult. When uh, your ego, ego's above your talent. You can't, you can't be an asshole and not be good at your job. It, it's, it's, a, it, it's like what I said about Kaepernick, and a lot of people give me grief for it. Is if you're gonna cause problems, you better be good at your job. Tom Brady can say and do whatever the hell he wanted to do in New England because he won them six Super Bowls, took them to the playoffs year after year, took them to two, three Super Bowls and lost. I mean, I don't know any other – but so, and I'm not saying that being good grants you the right to be an asshole, but like if you're going to choose to to be a standout and to cause problems – in your workplace, be valuable because if you like, I, I have employees in that that I personally manage. That I'm not going to lie, they cause me problems. They are a pain in my ass, but I will keep them because they're really fucking good at what they do, and they make me money at the end of the day, right? Which makes my company money, which means I get bigger bonuses and whatever. Now, I had an employee that drove me up a goddamn wall with Darius, but he sucked at his job. And guess what happened? He met on He found out what an unemployment was. Yeah. And, and, and that's the case with some of these people. And like I said, I'm not trying to turn it into a, a, a social thing or a racial thing about Kaepernick or what Aaron Rodgers or whatever. But like I said, if you kind of, you, you develop that clout. If you want to be an asshole, you you can be because it it's just it, it's what it is you know you, if you're good enough you can kind of be a dick and if you're not then shut up and play ball and just do your do your do your job and go home. yeah you know yeah. yeah and i think chris you you're absolutely right Here, here's the thing about here's the thing about Kaepernick. now chris if i asked you like Colin Kaepernick's talent, 
I felt wasn't like even before the whole flag situation happened. For the record, I have no problem with what he did because it's the freedom of speech. I get it, but that doesn't mean I have to like what he did. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, but when you're in a workplace, and I don't care if it's a Fortune 500 company or it's the mom and pop, you know, mom and pop store, you know, right up the block. And the reality is, the reality, Chris, is I felt that it became a bigger problem because his talent didn't match. Exactly. His, his talent, and like people understand, someone is, you know, someone said, oh, a Kaepernick is this, but his talent just didn't match. It's not a, it's like, I'll, I'll give you a wrestling concept. There was a big thing in the Attitude Era. And it was a thing with Stone Cold Steve Austin Farouk, a.k.a. Ron Simmons. And people tried to make it a race thing then. And Steve Austin said the same thing. It ain't a white thing. It's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. It's a me kicking your you-know-what thing. It ain't personal, Chris. It's not personal. But when you're ta- It's a business. When you're a talent, you better, like you say, you better be talented to sustainability. sustainability. Because you can afford, like Vince McMahon can be the biggest douche in the world because he has a billion dollar company. Like if he was running like a little indie wrestling thing and and I'm not knocking indie wrestling because I watch indie wrestling. But you can't afford to be cocky when your talent sucks and you can't develop. So so that's so that's my point. But speaking of points, I want to shift points over to the last dance. No. <laughs> and I want to talk about specifically I want to talk about I want to talk about the I think we didn't talk about one and two I don't think. No. But like real quickly I just want to see your thoughts so far on the last dance so far. So this this whole thing from from episode one until right now has honestly been probably one of the best documentaries I think I've honestly ever watched. Ever. I've watched a lot of them and I've watched some weird shit. But this one, this one takes the cake. So I've got probably so two like documentaries that I've always enjoyed. Or some of the more recent ones. One was the oh three of them, the thirty for thirty on Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz, the thirty for thirty on the Orlando Magic, and then the thirty for thirty on Dennis Rodman. And I was talking about this with a buddy of mine uh, on Facebook earlier today because we were talking about uh, the the Last Dance. Is if you haven't watched the the 30 for 30 on Dennis Rodman and you haven't watched episodes three and four of the last dance, things are going to make more sense. If you watch Dennis Rodman's 30 for 30 Mm -hmm. and then watch episodes three and four, because episode three heavily revolves around Dennis Rodman. And then episode four, about the first 15, 20 minutes of it revolves around Dennis Rodman. But you know, this, the thing that I like, is that they're showing the viewpoints not just from Michael Jordan. 
Correct. You know, which essentially this whole thing is uh, uh, revolved around Michael Jordan. And I think we can agree we understand why. Absolutely. But when, when, when they get the views of Scottie Pippen and Paxton and uh, Horace Grants, I, you know, it was a cool seeing him on there, and Steph Kerr and uh, um, Bill we'll Cartwright. Him. Yeah, like John Paxton. You're, you're, you're seeing... I didn't mean to cut you off, but you're seeing you're seeing a lot of exterior. You're seeing a lot of things that revolved around Jordan, but not about Jordan. That tells yeah. his story and the team, especially that season. And you know the the biggest thing that I've learned from the Last Dance is number one, Kraus is a giant piece of shit. Yeah, he arguably destroyed. From the inside, the best basketball organization to ever professionally play the sport. I, I'm thinking if he would have shut the fuck up and not played games with Jordan and not played games with Phil Jackson, I bet they could have four-peated and if mm-hmm. not won another two or three more championships going oh, into yeah. 2000. My God, without question. Because they just they had all they had all the pieces. Now part of it too is so what they did this now see of course us watching so we grew up watching this. We were kids. Mm-hmm. All we understood was what was on ABC, TNT, ESPN, and CBS day and night. And that was just the game. We were too young to read the news articles and understand contract negotiations and collective bargaining agreements and strikes and and salary for all we knew we thought these guys just went out and played the game for free right or we just assumed that they were all multimillionaires driving porsches and ferraris right <laughs> we didn't know that uh, you know pippen was arguably the, literally the second best player in the nba and was one of the worst paid in the nba yeah i i i made that point on facebook i'm like people say oh it's scotty i blame jerry Krause. like Dude, like that's now Scotty. Now Scotty did. I I don't. He didn't play a role in his own demise for as far as pay goes. Right. But I truly think that he uh, he hung himself when he started refusing to play, and then he did the the surgery during the season instead of the. As much as a friend as he claimed that he was to Jordan, and I understand money is money, and I get that. I truly, truly get that. But I think if Pippen might have played his cards right, he could have got a big now he did get that payday when he went out west and went to he went to what Portland right after the Bulls. Yeah. yeah, he went to Portland and, and he got his money. But at the end of the day, he I think he let his team down by by playing those games. But I think in some cataclysmic alignment of stars and planets and voodoo and karma. That I think that's what kept Dennis Rodman not relevant, but honestly, I think alive. And, and, and also, if you really sit down, and I don't want to spoil it, but it's honestly a sheer miracle psychologically that Dennis Rodman hasn't taken his own life. And I know that's horrible to say out loud, and I'm happy he hasn't. But just the life that he lived and, and his mindset and like, like I said, you if you watch the 30 for 30, you're going to understand it. But just the mindset of Dennis Rodman, 
he needed that like love and affection that he got from the coach from the Pistons. And when he when 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 that coach left the Pistons, and Rodman left, he spiraled out of control when he went to San Antonio. He mm-hmm. he played ball, but he was a psychopath down there. And that's when he started mixing it up with Madonna. And I, I don't want to say his inner freak came out, but the the real Dennis Rodman, like the Dennis Rodman that he wanted to be, came out. And when he went to the Bulls, I remember, you know, like watching it and and Jordan wanted him. Jordan's like, yo, like we need this because the at the time the Pistons were just beating the shit out of the Bulls. And they needed that tough guy in the paint that will go up and get the rebound and do the dirty work to let Jordan and Pippen score. And I and it said that, you know, Pippen was uh, uh, adamantly against bringing in uh, Rodman, but Jordan was like, look, back me on this. Phil will keep his ass under control. And like I said, I won't ruin the, the episodes and things like that for you. But I think with Pippen sitting out, that's what really put Dennis Rodman into that ultra superstar. I mean, he was already a superstar by leaps and bounds, but that's what just put him to the top is it was, it was the Jordan and Rodman show. It was not the Jordan and Pippen show. But um, just the whole the whole thing circling the Bulls was just outright amazing. And most of all, like I said, I, I picked up two things out of this so far. Um, well, actually three. Outside of, outside of the court, Jordan is a take-no-shit dude, and he does not give a fuck who you are. He will tell you what he feels. Jerry Krause is a little fucking bitch. And you know who else is a little bitch, Ladarius? Tell me. Isaiah Thomas. <sighs> Isaiah. Yeah. So that game, the the game, what was it? A game five, I think, when when the Bulls finally beat the Pistons. Now Jordan got his shit pushed in, not one but two years in a row by the Pistons, and still got up and shook Rodman's hand mm-hmm. after Rodman about beat his ass on the court. Shook Thomas's hand. Did nothing about it. Hey, great game. Good luck, man. Go out there and go go beat LA, man. Represent us. And. What did Isaiah Thomas do? Walked off the court like a little bitch. Yeah. And y- y- you know what, Chris? You know, I don't want to speak too long on this because I- it makes like I'm going fast, and I apologize if I do. Also to you, the listeners. Uh, it- it- that part, like, all you said about, you know, Pippen and all that and Robin is true. But what really pissed me off, Chris, is that Isaiah Thomas is a grown man. He's a grown man, and you're going to sit there and tell me that you felt disappointed that you didn't make the dream team? Really? 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 Here's the thing, Chris. He's still upset over not making the dream team, and he said on the record he would be more disappointed if MJ assisted with him being left off the team. Yeah. Like, dude, don't, like, I've never seen a saltier old man. Like, I I mean, like, Dana White has some really negative feelings towards Tito Ortiz, and he has a lot of reasons, too. But the way, like, Isaiah Thomas's interview, when he was like, yeah, I was upset because I wasn't on the Dream Team, and, and, yeah, I didn't shake his hand. I just walked off the court. Like, dude, grow up, bro. Grow up. It it, it, it it pissed me off. And then he also said that he felt he paid a heavy price for refusing to shake hands after that 91 Eastern Conference Finals. 
here's the thing, Chris. Michael Jordan got, like you said, got manhandled by this team, but he shook hands. Yeah. Why? Because there's clips. Here's the thing, Chris. When there's a thing called evidence, and let me throw a word in front of that, video evidence, you can't deny the video. You can't exactly. deny it. You can change audio, but you can't change video unless you're like some high-class hacker and nobody was doing that stuff in the, in the 80s and 90s like that. And, so, and I, we, think, I think Jordan understood that the notoriety you get as a superstar, you're on camera 24-7. Exactly. Now, he does, now, he didn't pay the penance that players do today with Snapchat and Facebook Live and Instagram and everybody having a camera phone. Having a disposable camera in the early 90s i think was almost a luxury item a polaroid camera was a luxury item yeah you know this i I got this new samsung galaxy s20 ultra and ladarius no shit this thing has one two three four different lenses and i can zoom a hundred times i can literally and i got bored and tried this i could zoom in across the parking lot from my apartment to the next parking lot over that i can see and read clearly the license plate on the car. It, now, luckily, Jordan and those guys didn't have that type of stuff. But he knew, even with just the regular old TV cameras, he understood that he had kids watching him. He had adults who would carry opinions. Now, people I don't think were as opinionated in the 90s as they are today. Yeah. But all that being said, I think he understood the notoriety that comes with being a superstar. And Isaiah Thomas didn't. And here's the thing, Chris. This is what doubled. This is what makes made me more upset. Is is that Isaiah Thomas uses? He said, "Oh, that's the way it was." No, it wasn't. Because here's the thing. Yeah, did Bird did the did it refuse to shake the Pistons' hands when the change of the guard? Sure. I'm not gonna sit there and say Isaiah Thomas is wrong in all aspects, but this is what I'm gonna say. He's wrong. This is that. You're going to sit there as a grown man and have the nerve, the audacity, and the temerity to say in front of millions of people that you felt you were screwed because of something that you know you did was wrong. Because here's the difference. Isaiah Thomas is regretful. Bill and Beer isn't. So how do I know? Here's how I submit it like this, Chris. If I'm Michael Jordan and the guy who was in charge with one of the guys on the committee was Rod Thorne who was the GM of the Bulls at that time and also drafted Jordan, simply put, Chris, he said when they came up to the 10 guys, Isaiah was not on that list. So it had nothing to do with that handshake, but it didn't help either. It didn't help. And sometimes in life, Chris, you have to understand the position and the role that you have. You, If you're the CEO or a quarterback, I compare the two because you're always in, you're always on the forefront. There are certain things that you can't do, but a mid-level dude can get away with doing. Why? Because that mid-level dude ain't making millions, and he ain't seen by millions of people. So guess what? So basically, my point is this. Michael Jordan could get away, you know, could had zero, zero rope of doing things. Uh, A guy that Tony Kukoc could do what he wanted to do. That's the point. Because the point is, Chris, you're Isaiah Thomas. And you're going to sit there and you were one of the leaders of that organization. You're one of the leaders. You do more. It doesn't matter. When we think of the bad boys, your name is right there, one or two. So, yes, I understand 
how Jordan felt. I understand how the how Rod Thorne felt. Listen, we basically, Chris, if he would have showed some kind of penitence and apologized, because he knew he was wrong. Because MJ shook their hand year after year after year when they were getting spanked by that same Pistons team. Yeah. And you couldn't stick out your hand? No, bro. And here's the thing. Going back to that dream team, Chris, I just compared him really quickly to one player. Only other point guard in that team. There's a two other point guards. Magic. I'm not going to compare. That's like comparing... That's like comparing, you know, some hunk to Steve, Ur- like Urkel to Urkel. That's the concept. <laughs> you can't, you can't compare the two, because there's a reason why Laura fell in love with Urkel and not Urkel. Look it up, folks, or don't. But so I compared to John Stockton because they were relatively around the same age when the Dream Team was being formed. Here's the thing, Chris. Here's the reality. And I'll post these stats on our face on our Facebook page. And in the group page as well. And I did points, assists, field goal percentage. I'll show all the stats when we, on the page. But only Isaiah Thomas only beat out Stockton in two stats. And one stat was points barely by three points, but less than three points. Turnover, you know, turnovers per game by point three. And that's it. Stockton was the better point guard. Maddie Johnson was the was the way better point guard. That's why it wasn't fair to compare. My point, Chris, before we wrap up, and this is a lesson I think a lot of people can learn. Don't always make it about things that shouldn't be about. Meaning that don't make it about race. Don't make it about your gen if you if you're not great at your job, think about yourself. Evaluate yourself. I'm not saying the people out there who judge you by those things, but don't always make it personal when it doesn't have to be. If that makes any sense, listeners, if that makes any sense, because in life, listen, as a person of color, I don't take it personally. If I feel that I'm not good at something, I don't take it personal if if someone else gets it. I don't take it personal unless I sense it. But if I don't sense it, no. Think about it, folks. Isaiah Thomas is pissed because of Something he did that lets me know he felt guilty about it. That's on you. And guess what? You couldn't even. You're John Stockton's better than you. All right. You give John Stockton a ring, Chris. I'd argue he'd be better than him. I I honestly wouldn't argue that. To be honest, I I really wouldn't. That's that's a very fair assessment. The only difference is the rings. That's it. Like if you if you give Stockton a ring, he played in an era where no one could beat Jordan. Isaiah Thomas beat an aging, like he had to go through an aging what Larry Bird, like so when he got his championship toward the back end of the night, folks. So I want y'all to think about that. Like, don't make it personal. Isaiah Thomas, what he simply did here was make it personal, because MJ is a lot of. I don't think MJ. If MJ, if he feel he can help you win. He doesn't likability doesn't matter, Chris. Can you help me today? Can you help me win? I don't like you. Like you know, God rest his soul. Kobe and Shaq were the same way. Kobe and Shaq may have not got along initially in L.A. Their relationship developed later on, but when they were there, one went to this side of town, the other went to the same side of town. But they came back and won championships. Yeah, that's the point. 
And speaking of points, I'm going to point out that that's all for this episode. It's a lot to take in, and if I offended Isaiah Thomas, I don't care. His his career as a as an executive is what he should apologize for. I'm not going to apologize for nothing I said. So, so, folks, thank you all for listening. And until you hear us again next time, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And you all, be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe here from sports and the world. See ya! Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sports and the World. Head over to our Sports of the World Facebook group to answer our daily question, Did Isaiah Thomas deserve to be on the Dream Team? Once again, head over to our Sports on the World Facebook group page to answer, did Isaiah Thomas deserve to be on the Dream Team? If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, head over to anchor.fm slash sports the world and listen to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. For Chris Gooden, I'm Ladarius Brown. Be real. Be you. Be blessed, and most importantly, be safe from all of us here at Sports and the World. Have a great day, friends.